0: Hey there, this is Liz with a quick note for those of you headed to the Women in Aviation International Conference in Orlando. Please join me on opening night for the Authors Connect reading and reception presented by United Airlines and Pass International. We have an incredible lineup of authors who will read from their work and who you'll be able to mingle with in a more intimate setting than the conference hall. We'll have heavy appetizers, a cash bar, and some giveaways, so don't miss it. This is a limited ticket event, so visit my link tree at the bottom of my show notes to get your tickets before they sell out. Also, come visit the Authors Connect table, which will be in the Cypress Alcove outside the exhibit hall check the dailies for author signing times but come by anytime to peruse the bookshop and stock up on your aviatrix literature i also have some fun inspirational literary aviatrix charm bracelets and aviatrix journals there for you to purchase to help fund my outreach activities happy reading and see you in orlando
1: And fill
0: the paper with the message that it wants to send. Hello, and welcome to the Aviatrix Book Review Writer's Room. I'm Liz Booker. I am continuing my conversation with Keith O'Brien. He's published three books, Fly Girls, the topic of today's discussion, which also comes in a young reader's version for ages 10 and up. Outside Shot, Big Dreams, Hard Times, and One County's Quest for Basketball Greatness and Paradise Falls, The True Story of an Environmental Catastrophe. So Keith, you were a journalist, a very successful journalist, and you have apparently a very long career in uh, writing. Tell me about your journey.
1: Well, sure. So I started as a newspaper uh, reporter and, and moved my way up from small newspapers to larger ones. And Um, You know, my last couple stops were at the New Orleans Times-Picayune and the Boston Globe, and I spent several years there. Uh, And you know, I I love I love uh, newspapers, and uh, I loved my job. Uh, You know, uh, I felt like the reason why I got involved as a writer, a newspaper writer, and a reporter in the first place was just the the opportunity to see the world from other people's perspectives and to, to be in places where I shouldn't be able to be and to ask folks anything and then tell those stories. I thought that was um, just truly amazing. Um, as And so that's why I got into it in the first place. And, you know, but I, I wanted to tell longer stories and, you know, it just felt like I I wasn't, um, getting that opportunity. Uh, and so I, I started branching out into books about 12 years ago. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to, um, had some success there as well.
0: That is incredible. So what did you do, you know, in, in that transition to enhance your craft or prepare to do that kind of new writing?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's new and it's not new. Um, you know, when you're a writer, you need to be reading. If you want to be a writer, you need to read. And so, you know, from, from my, you know, college days forward, I was always the kind of person who was reading a book with a pen or a highlighter and tabbing pages and bending pages over and um, writing notes in the margins, uh, even when it wasn't for school. Um, you know, I, I as a writer, I'm always trying to decode what someone else has done. You know, uh if you spend enough time analyzing someone's narrative structure, uh you can sort of see how they've done it. And so I think in that way, you know, I had been preparing really all my life. Uh but it is different. Um there's a different cadence and rhythm and pacing to a hundred thousand word story than a thousand word story uh and you know early on I, I didn't even really know how long a book was i remember uh when i sold my first book outside shop uh when I, uh, I sold it to the publisher and it was very exciting and my agent called me and said "You you got a book deal and he said it you know, uh, they wanted to, you know, in, in January or whatever it was. And uh, he said, You think you can do that? And I said, I, I guess, like, how many words are we talking about here? And he said, Oh, roughly like 100,000. And I, I didn't even really know that a book was 100,000. And I remember getting off the phone that night. It was late in the day. And like, it should have been this celebratory moment. And I remember turning to my wife and I said, How am I going to write 100,000 words by January? That seems impossible. And You know now I know of course it's not impossible and in fact the the hardest thing to do is to cut words. Um, You know, for example, I I mentioned you know I'm writing a book right now about the rise and the fall of Pete Rose, Uh, and so this is the full arc, right? Um, This is going to bring him to the mountaintop and then watch what happens after that. And you know, the challenge is to is to tell that story with no extraneous words and and keep the flow going uh, and do it in a way that's powerful and well written, but not too long. And so, you know, what I'm always doing is going back at the end of writing a chapter and seeing like, can I cut a thousand words? Can I cut a 500 words? Does this paragraph need to be here? Could you just move on? Keep it tight. And so the challenge now for me is not can I write a hundred thousand words, but can you write, you know, a hundred thousand good words and keep it that that's short?
0: Yeah. And you, with your research, um, both for Fly Girls, and it sounds like the book that you're working on now, and I'm sure Paradise Falls, I'm curious how you keep all of that material straight, like from a technical standpoint, how do you organize your research and keep track of it? As you're building it to, to write your narrative.
1: I wish I could sit here and tell you, Liz, that I'm incredibly well organized and I have everything in nice, neat little piles. Uh, but I do not. Um, you know, most of the documents that I have, both for Fly Girls and Paradise Falls and, and for the Pete Rose book I'm working on now, are digital. You know, I've scanned them or photocopied them. And so they live, you know, on a desktop and on a backup drive. And so you're always moving things around uh, into different folders thematically by year or chronology or topic. Uh, But a lot of times it really is just about remembering the nugget and where it is. Um, And, you know, I know know a lot of writers have... uh, Big writers have teams of assistants who are doing some of this material, you know, organizing for them. But for me, I need to read that story that existed in Aviation Magazine from 1937. So I remember, oh, yeah, that's the story. That's the, the story that has the detail about Amelia's helmet, you know. And, and so that way I remember it. I know, OK, when I get to that part in the story, I got to go back to that article and pop that lovely, beautiful detail in. And so for me, it's about, you know, organizing on a desktop, putting things in folders, thematically and chronologically, but also just reading them along the way. So I remember, you know, where that certain detail is.
0: Well, another thing that I loved about this book was the, I talked about back matter earlier, but your notes and the index, and so for anybody who is looking to dig deeper into one of these characters' stories, you have the start of your research here all laid out for you. So I think that's fabulous, and I just was like, "Oh my word!" You know, I've I've written research papers, but nothing that you know would include that kind of citation. So I thought it was fabulous. Well, thank you, and I. And I aspire, I mean, I, I'm writing fiction right now. I've written some articles, um, but it's the more that I talk to writers like you and Lauren Kessler, who also, she wrote the book about Poncho Barnes. I just am fascinated, um, by this historical narrative nonfiction. So hopefully some, some subject will just grab me and I'll go for it someday. Um, you know, for this, Uh, what, speaking of Lauren Kessler, one of the things that she talked about in my interview with her was this, um, immersive journalism that she has used to write several of her books, which is what it sounds like you did with this basketball team. So for authors who are thinking about doing that kind of work, tell us about that experience.
1: Right. So, so for, for my book outside shy, I had full access to, to a team, to a school, you know, I was in the classroom, on the bus, in the locker room, in their homes. Um, it's, it's a different challenge, uh, than say a book like Fly Girls, you know, where you're not immersing yourself physically in a place, you're, 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 you're digging up material. Um, you know, and each have its own challenges, you know, uh, you know, with with a book like Fly Girls, you're trying to find the material. It is that detective hunt to find those telegrams and letters and diaries and flight logs and notebooks. Um, with a, with an immersive journalism project, um, you have to keep your eyes and your ears open. You have to make sure you're at the meeting, you're at the place. The, you're, if if the thing is going to happen, you you got to be there for it, uh, and you got to sort of know what you're looking for um, because. You know, I have found, and I imagine a lot of other writers have found, that you know when you're doing a project like that, um, and you spend, say, ten hours in a place, there might be only a couple moments at the end of the, at that day that actually really mattered to the narrative you're telling. Uh, and so um, you have to be there for them and 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 maintain your access, you know, um, which is a challenge uh, sometimes, um, to, to, to make sure you can keep coming back every day.
0: Well, I'm sure it involves building a lot of trust with people.
1: It does. Uh, it does involve building a lot of trust. And for me, you know, I just try to be very transparent with anybody, whether I'm, you know, interviewing them for a book or, or spending time with them immersively for a book, just be very transparent about what you're doing and what you're looking for you know, why you're asking a certain question. You know, if someone says, well, why are you asking me that? Tell them, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like if you're transparent and honest about what you're trying to do, uh, people will be more open to talking to you about it. And uh, for me, I don't think there's any other way to do it. Uh, you, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be transparent and honest about uh, the project I'm working on.
0: You seem to be well, I mean you've had years of practice at this, but you're know, still relatively new to writing book length works. you seem to be a fast writer, just churning stuff out every couple of years. I mean, you said you learned about the uh, this story or you your interest was peaked in two thousand sixteen, and this came out what two thousand eighteen, and you know i I did mention earlier um And I'll I'll ask this question in a minute. But related to that, I'm curious to know what your uh, author life is like. What's your writer life like? How do you manage your time?
1: So I I work from home right here uh, in New Hampshire. Um, I'm a father of two boys uh, and and a spouse of of a working mother. Uh, So our life is crazy. Uh, and I, um, you know, would love to be able to be at my desk every morning at 7am and, and writing all day, uh, that rarely happens. Um, so, you know, in an ideal situation, I, you know, the kids go off to school and I'm at my desk and I'm, I'm writing until they get home. Uh, and then, you know, uh, once they do get home, things typically get pretty busy around here, and and you know I need to take a few hours off to get them off to where they need to go in the evening, or to you know get dinner on the table, or where, you know the normal rhythms of family life. And you know I often do go back to work though in the evenings, uh, you know after nine o'clock for a couple of hours to get to a place um, that I that I feel good about. Um, you know when I am in writing mode. Uh, you know, I, I do want to know how many words I've written in a given day. It's not really about words in a given day, um, but I want to know what kind of progress I made. Was it 600 words? Was it 1,200 words? Uh, was it less? Um, you know, that that is a good barometer. But, uh, and then every, the, every day, the next morning, uh, I will start by rereading what I wrote the previous day in part to make sure I was on the right path and in part to remind myself of where I am on that path. And then I'll begin again.
0: That's great. You know, um, I transitioned from a very sort of uh, uh, immediate instant gratification world of being a search and rescue pilot and managing those kinds of operations where I could see the results right in front of me immediately and feel like I did something that day. Transitioning to writing full time, I had to come up with all of these tricks of like, uh, you know, sometimes there's this great app called, um, I think it's called the tree app, but it's a Pomodoro method. So I can set it for my writing time. And then at the end of the day, I have all these trees that I grew that show that I did some work because my work is, it's abstract locked away in the computer the way it is. You can't see it like you can see a physical book. So I appreciate, um, that you, who've been writing as long as you have still have to have sort of that mental reward.
1: <laughs> you do. You need something because it, as you know, it's a, it, it can be a lonely existence. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, it depends on where you are on your project, but oftentimes no one's looking over your shoulder. No one's holding you accountable. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable and, um, you know, for me, I think the, the, the few guiding principles are, um, you know, that the words aren't going to write themselves. Uh, you can talk about your book all day, uh, but the words aren't writing themselves. Uh, you're going to have to get in there and do the time. And, And then the second thing I just try to remind myself is just get it all on paper, get it all down and you can always go back and fix it. You know, uh, Get it on paper and then revise, cut, revise, change. Uh, you can remold lots of things once you have something in the works. Uh, but until you do, it is completely abstract.
0: Oh, it's an exact quote that Kate Quinn gave me a couple months ago. That you and it, she was quoting somebody else, but that you, I can fix a, I can fix a bad page, but I can't fix a blank page. Mm,
1: <laughs> like it? Yes. True.
0: <laughs> Thumbs up everything that you just said. Yes. So, um, I wanted to mention, uh, and I did in the introduction for the first part of our interview, that there is a young readers version of your book. I'd like to know how that came about.
1: Uh, well, I get for starters, I have to give credit to uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, which was the publisher of Fly Girls. Um, from the moment they uh, they Bought the book on proposal. Uh, they said this is going to be a book, and then we're going to do a young readers edition, and uh, so that was in the plans from the very beginning, and is is a credit to them. And um, you know, I I personally was the one who who adapted the book um, and 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 essentially trimmed it down. So
0: I was wondering,
1: uh, Fly Girls is about a hundred thousand words, roughly give or take. I think it's a little longer. Um, and the Fly Girls Young Readers Edition is roughly half of that. And so really, it is just a, a, a slightly uh, abridged version of the story. Um, and it is, is a, a perfect book for, you know, any young reader, depending on their the reading level between the ages of, you know, 8 and 12, 8 and 13. Um, and it's been it's been really such a great thing. Um, the. I've, I've had the opportunity um, to, to be in a number of schools um, and, and, and talk with kids about this story. Um, I know uh, of schools that have assigned the book uh, to kids. Um, I've done interviews with kids who have read the book and are writing about it for a book report uh, and, 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 and many other uh, special uh, moments like that. Uh, a couple years ago, before the pandemic in the spring of 2019, uh, a mother in Massachusetts uh, reached out to me and she said that um, uh, her daughter, who was in middle school, uh, was doing a wax museum project. This is a project that exists in many middle schools, um, fourth grades, fifth grade, sixth grades where you know a, a student dresses up like someone famous and then writes my like son
0: Orville. was my son was Orville Wright last year. Well, so yeah I'm familiar.
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know how it happened at your school, but at most of these schools, including my kids' own school, they usually sort of give the kids a list. Like it's like, oh, if you like football, you could be one of these people. If you like aviation, you could be Amelia Earhart, right? It's right, always, right. For for girls, it's always if you like aviation, you could be Amelia Earhart. And um this particular girl in Massachusetts had read my book and she said, I don't want to be. Uh, Amelia Earhart. I want to be Ruth Nichols, and so the mother reached out to me to say, "Can do you have any documents or photographs you can share with us for her little storyboard?" And so, of course, you know, I I emailed her a little Dropbox with a few things that she might be able to use for her for her project, and then. I just asked, because I live in New Hampshire. I'm not that far away. I said, when's the, when's the Wax Museum? And she told me, and it just so happened that on the very day of the Wax Museum, uh, I was due to speak at, um, uh, at a college uh, in, in Massachusetts, right in the very same town. And so I said, well, this is crazy. I- I'm going to actually come. And so, you know, I did actually go uh, to the Wax Museum, which was amazing.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And
0: just another indicator of just how generous you are. That's fabulous. Well, as a writer, so my MFA is for writing for children and young adults. And so um, that's my focus. I'm writing stories about girls who learn to fly or introduced into aviation and learn to fly. And as literary aviatrics promoting these books, um, I go to in-person events with a table Full of books and I sit down with the, the, I've done Girl Scout events and other women in aviation events for young people. And I always bring a stack of books and yours is always in it. So, oh, that's um, very nice. And, and I continue to grow that because I'm going to make a list for librarians and stuff like that. So it will be on there.
1: That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> so I'm
0: super glad that that happened and, um, and impressed that you were able to cut it even more to get it to that length that's awesome
1: yeah it was like the opposite of writing it was like instead of uh it's you know it was like going to the office every day and cutting off a limb is what it felt like (laughs) like hacking off the things that i love
0: yeah that's painful well before i'm not plugged in so we're gonna have to wrap this up soon i want to know what advice you have for writers resources? I mean, you've already given us solid advice about just sit down and write, which is what most writers say, but are there any other resources or anything else that you want to share with aspiring writers?
1: You know, I would just say that to me, the most important thing is, is reading other people's work. Um, you know, uh, going to college and going to high schools and getting MFAs and working with mentors is a fantastic thing and an, an incredible opportunity if it exists. But as as we, we, you and I both know, it isn't always possible for lots of reasons: uh, resources, money, your stage in life, your you know the job you're already working, the children you have, um, you know those kind of things. And I, I guess what I I believe in my core is that you know you can still do you know the work that you want to do without that um if you spend the time with the books that are already out there because this this isn't a secret formula this isn't um some kind of um uh, hidden thing if you read other people's work you can you can you can start to decode how they did it and and then and then you as a writer can say, okay, well, I remember these authors handling this situation this way, and I'm going to end my chapter like this uh, because it's similar to how they did it or whatever, um, which, you know, is is how art builds upon itself.
0: Yeah. Keith, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for your time and for your insights and for your books. They are wonderful.
1: Well, thank you, Liz. It was really such a pleasure to be here. I, I really appreciate your interest in your time. To save for later you cannot trust it to come again To wait for you to find a pen And fill the paper with the message that it wants to send